What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 39 of Go Figure Podcast. Ty, how was the weekend? It was awesome. We went and saw yeah. the Vegas Knights win game one, Stanley Cup. Great I time. mean, pretty epic. Uh, Brent, I mean, how long have they been there in Vegas? It's it's oh, a newer team, they, isn't it? Yeah, only maybe four or five years. Yeah. They did go to Stanley Cup very first year, and I think they got swept. So I think oh, I wow. saw their first Stanley Cup win ever. I well, guess. they're off to, yeah. Game one uh, win, played real well. Yeah. 5-2, three goals at the end of the third uh, period there. Yeah, it was very exciting. They definitely put on a sh- I've been to professional hockey games but yeah. that that was different that was what, what was unique about the way the 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 vegas knights did that it they they make it like a a show they really really get those fans engaged and i wonder if that has something to do with their success is the the home home ice success but uh like to start they had these these five knights dressed in all black in their faces where you couldn't even see their faces and you know they're taking over the ice, and then yeah. the Golden Knight comes out and starts fighting them with a sword and oh, wow. defends the ice. And it's, it's like Excalibur, yeah. like the Excalibur show. Exactly. If you guys have ever been to Vegas, that Excalibur show is remarkable. <laughs> like the ability that those guys have to not actually hurt each other. I mean, they're jumping off of horses, galloping around. Seems like they're pretty legit uh, swords. I mean, maybe not super sharp, but I mean, they they don't look they don't look like fake swords. Let's let's call it that. Oh so, yeah, I mean, these guys are athletes. It's impressive, and they uh, they got game two last night. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep these guys. So. That was a four zero game, right? Well, last night ended up I think seven two. Oh, it was oh, it's a real yeah. butt whipping. Yeah, wow, that's the news you've probably seen a couple of recent very recent headlines really in the last 24 hours about uh, the two largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world you've got uh, binance and you've got uh, uh, coinbase and those are the two largest cr- uh, cryptocurrency exchanges in the world and both of them are being sued by the sec Binance has a very strong international plan. I feel like Coinbase is very much more focused on domestic. So it probably has a little bit less impact for Binance, but I'm sure they still want to be able to work with it. So that's that's going to be our money story. What's up next, Ty? Yeah, mindset. We've got a, a very interesting article we're going to talk about that breaks down the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. That's going to be an outstanding study there and something very important, especially if you have kids and you look at your own mindset, sometimes you'll find yourself leaning a certain direction and you want to actually have this type of mindset. So that's going to be a very interesting uh, article and subject to unpack for you guys. Our mastery topic for today is five steps to mastering money per our good friend, Mr. Chat GPT, or maybe uh, Miss, Miss Chat GPT, or maybe uh, Chat GPT is non-binary. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely don't know. And and, and sports section, Leo. Uh oh, this is big, and I was absolutely floored. I thought it was fake news. I got the New York Times uh, post. It went to my yeah. phone. I'm like, this is fake. The, I, I thought maybe it was a Twitter bug, whatever. But it's real. The PGA Tour, LIV, and DP World Tour are merging, creating an entity that will essentially own all of them, and. We're going to talk a little bit about that and, and break that down, some of the hypocrisies, some of the excitement, how it's going to change the game. But that is uh, shocking news. You know what's crazy? I mean, those two seem like they were at war, and now they're coming together. They literally war- they, they were. They're, the, I mean, part of this, we'll, we'll talk about that, but they're, they're both dropping. They've both sued each other. They're currently in the <laughs> middle of a, law, a massive lawsuit, and they're like, you know what? We'll, we'll all drop it. Let's just merge. 
It's it's weird. That is wacky. That is crazy. You're the, you're our golf expert though, so I'm excited to learn a little bit more about that and what is going on in the world of golf. And this is international. I mean, those two. I mean, obviously, PGA has been owning the golf world, and it is global now, right, with all the different things going on. But LIV has put a ton of money up against them, and it's fascinating to see those two coming together. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to talk about. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. All right, guys, let's jump into topic number one, our money topic, and obviously money is changing dynamically every day, week, month, year, depending on what story you're looking at or what's going on in the world. And obviously, in you know, during the pandemic, 2020, and especially 2021, there was a lot of heat, a lot of attention being paid to cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrencies were going up. There was a, a lot of notoriety around Bitcoin in 2017, and then there was a crypto winter there in 2018 and 2019, and then it started to heat up again in 2020, then in 2022, a little bit of a winter. 2023 overall, I think they both kind of rebounded a little bit, some of the main current uh, cryptos out there, Bitcoin, Ethereum. So this is a very recent article just out of our out of the Wall Street Journal. It says SEC sues Coinbase, Binance, and alleges they are selling securities. So a, a brand new story. And not only, of course, uh, so there was one story about them suing Binance, the biggest cryptocurrency exchange. And then there was another story about, well, uh, and of course, we're suing Coinbase as well. And these are the two biggest cryptocurrency exchange exchanges out there and so they're they're both being sued by the sec and so what it comes down to is whether a cryptocurrency is seen as a security or if it's a legitimate commodity right so you think of gold and silver and soybeans and corn these are like real commodities that you can buy and and you always see these commercials on TV if you're watching TV, which probably less and less people of us are, especially younger generations. But if you do, you'll see a lot of uh, commercials about, oh, you better buy gold. The end of the world's coming, so you should own some gold. And a lot of smart uh, economists, investor types will say, yeah, you should have a certain percentage, pretty small percentage of your of your portfolio in gold. And a lot of people have made the case that actually crypto and Bitcoin in particular and maybe Ethereum are better stores of value than gold, and they've certainly gone up a lot more in the last few years than gold has, and so that's a, an interesting case. But so here's here's what it is. Is cryptocurrency a commodity, or is it a security? I guess we, we, we talked about commodity. What what How do you define a security, Ty? A security, I, I mean, there's. I was looking this up because there's yeah. different types of securities, and Ultimately, the way it broke down is a security is something that you are investing in, holding on to, and expecting a greater future return, which, I mean, based on that definition, how is gold not a I mean, yeah. it, it was really, really vague. I can kind of see how you can justify something like Bitcoin and Ethereum being a commodity, but Leo, to tell you the truth, my take on this, I am shocked that 
organizations like this got away with this for this long, right? So many of these coins nowadays are these big tech companies or whatever you want to call it that said, you know what, why would we go IPO, spend all this money, spend all, you know, all the money on, on attorneys and the financial aspect of it and deal with all of the, uh, deal with the SEC, deal with all, yeah. all of the legality that goes into it when we could just do, I know it's not called an ICO anymore, initial coin offer, but ultimately same thing. We can go public without any legal issues whatsoever. Let's just launch a coin. And ultimately that's what they're doing. So I can see how if you're investing in, and hence I say investing, right? right. If you're investing in Coinbase's coin or uh, Binance's token, whatever they're calling them, that... I don't see how that's any different than an IPO, and I think the SEC probably should step in. But uh, I'm just shocked they got away with it for this long. They did, and obviously what probably accelerated a lot of it was our good friend Sam Bankman-Fried and the founder of FTX and that big debacle there and billions of dollars of people's money just disappearing because it was being used in, in a very illegal way by the ownership team. And so ultimately... You know, there's a lot of articles going around right now saying, oh, Bitcoin and crypto are tanking. And I jumped on and, and Bitcoin, I think, had gone from like maybe 27, 28,000 to 26,000. And so it gone down a little bit, but not a lot. And it's stabilized in the last 24 hours. I checked on Ethereum. In fact, Ethereum is actually pretty close to where it started uh, yesterday for the week. And so it's already bounced back significantly, too. And so they're ultimately not down that much. And my thinking is, if they're not down that much, maybe it's because this is actually going to be a good thing because now you're not going to have exchanges like FTX that can take your money and you know just do what they're not supposed to do with it. That money should be in separate accounts. They shouldn't be able to touch it when you're buying Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any of these cryptocurrencies out there. And I'd say probably the biggest deciding factor in distinguishing whether it's a security or a commodity is a commodity like gold and, and all these other things, whether it's corn or soybean or silver or platinum, you can't, there's not really one individual or organization that can control it. You can try and buy a bunch of it. You can go mine a bunch of it, right? But you can't really control it. And that's the case that uh, guys like Michael Saylor, who's one of the biggest uh, investors in Bitcoin, billionaire uh, tech owner who put a lot of his money into Bitcoin and says, hey, you know, Bitcoin is just like gold, but better because no one controls it. It's completely decentralized. And Ethereum came out originally as some sort of ICO, but it's now been, you know, very decentralized by the people behind it. And so according to a recent report from the SEC chairman, he is saying that the SEC is seeing Ethereum as more of a commodity like Bitcoin. And so some of the currencies they said that were securities are Solana, Cardano, Polygon, some of these, uh, I would guess, uh, I would guess a Dogecoin's probably uh, <laughs> definitely a security in there. Elon always gives it a thumbs up, right? So interestingly enough, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is this the end of crypto? What do you think? No, I, I think that this is a very good thing. I mean, I don't like too much regulation myself, but I think this regulation is going to create more trust for more individuals that are going to be more willing to jump into the Bitcoins, the Ethereums, and these ones that aren't deemed security. So I, I think in the long run, it's, it's probably a good thing for crypto. 
I agree. And I think the crypto markets are saying that, right? There was an initial, you know, uh, jerk, jerk reaction like, oh, we better sell, sell, sell. And so they sold a little bit, but it's really stabilized. And ultimately, I think people are starting to see. And really, it's the big money, right? It's the Wall Street firms. It's the hedge funds out there that did invest heavily in crypto. And some did well and some did not so well, yeah. depending on uh, when you bought uh, Bitcoin or any of these uh, cryptocurrencies. And so ultimately, if there's an extra disclosure, if these brokerages have to jump through more hoops, yeah, it's going to be a pain on their part, but ultimately it's going to make the money and your account that much more safer and the odds of your money disappearing or your cryptocurrency going away or someone like a Sam Bankman-Fried uh, just basically taking your money and uh, running away with it, it's going to lower the odds of that ever happening again significantly, which is ultimately going to be a good thing. It's going to strengthen and give a foundation to the market. And I think it's going to make crypto have a much bigger staying power than it would have either way. So ultimately, yeah, I agree. I think it's positive. Honestly, Leo, I think it's our generation's version of the Wolf of Wall Street penny stock fiasco. Oh, like the, it, these hundreds of thousands of organizations that are doing these ICOs and you can jump in for nearly nothing. That That's literally, they're, they're penny stocks. No one knows what the hell they're putting their money into. They're not regulated. Like I, 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 I've said this for a long time. It's our generation's penny stock experience. Yeah, for sure. And there's some out there that are trying to provide, connect their their token to something different, like something related to solar power, or some have like a debit card. There are these different uh, cryptocurrencies popping up that have unique features, more utility behind just buy and hold, right? And so I kind of like that idea, and 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 a lot of them are ch are changing the definition of instead of mining the currencies, you earn rewards for having a smart node. Uh, ownership in and, and it really is ownership i mean yeah it certainly does sound like security yeah <laughs> that's, that's what i'm saying so there will be extra disclosures and there will be some hoops to jump through but ultimately it's probably a good thing so i welcome it all right you found this interesting uh, concept here and there's uh there's some different books written about this there's a lot of different examples of this but talk to us about this fixed mindset versus growth mindset. This is our mindset piece. Yeah, and then, honestly, this this is a link we should share with everyone. It, it was oh, yeah. a really, really cool article. And obviously, with our new you know, 30-minute shows here, we, we can't go into a ton of depth. But it talks a lot about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset and the differences and how to climb out of the fixed mindset and how a lot of that fixed mindset has to do with past experiences that trigger these emotions. And so the, the way they break this down, the fixed mindset, it's a, a conviction in the supremacy of innate abilities, i.e. Mm. what it's talking about, natural talents one is born with, often neglecting the impact of effort and perseverance. Uh, someone with the fixed mindset, they, they tend to avoid new challenges, preferring to remain within the confines of their comfort zones. Maybe they tried out for a team 10 years ago and didn't make it and got rejected. So now they're scared to put them, themselves out there. They engage in negative self-talk, react defensively to negative feedback rather than using it as an opportunity to grow, um, which we talk about this a lot. I feel like youth sports programs, the way public schools are run now, we're kind of forcing these fixed mindsets upon our youth with the whole, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that, which, yeah, you're going to fail, but how can we look at that in a positive way? And so we get into the the growth mindset now, and the growth mindset talks a lot about embracing on learning opportunities and viewing the learning process as a continuous journey, 
right? You are going to fail over and over again, but how can we learn from that? Uh, it talks about recognizing the power of hard work and forging new connections to expand their knowledge and skills. That's what a growth mindset is going to do. And then the, the last key topic I wanted to point out with the growth mindset is engaging in constructive self-talk and welcoming constructive criticism as valuable tools for self-improvement, right? I think there's a fine line of being way too hard on yourself, but it's okay to be a little bit hard on yourself. It's okay to say, Ty, you really sucked this week at working out and you're gaining a little bit of weight. That There's a big difference between me constantly calling myself a fat ass and developing an eating disorder. It's okay to tell yourself you're not doing a good job, but you've got to then learn and grow from it. So Leo, I mean, before we, we talk about some of these differences, any, any thoughts on the fixed mindset, growth mindset, and how you've seen this in your life? I think a lot about when you're a kid, right? You're a kid and you're in grade school and, you know, your teacher, these people in charge of authority say, oh, you're really good at X, whether it's math or you're really good at reading or, oh, you are terrible at history or science is not your thing. And so you get these labels put on you as a kid and ultimately a big percentage of kids out there will take these labels and they'll run with them and they will have a fixed mindset of, oh, I'm actually not good at this thing. When if they would have just worked hard and really learned more about it, they could have actually become exceptional at it. And so there's this fixed mindset that we get as children. And then what happens is it seems to translate into adulthood. And so then you become an adult and you're like, oh, I can't do this, or I'm not good at this thing. Or, you know, I'm not a people person, I'm not good at sales, or I can't, I, I can't do this thing. And so we have these uh, stories that we tell ourselves that are part of the fixed mindset, and they come from the population, they come from people in charge, they come from teachers. And so it's on us as leaders in businesses, it's on us as parents to really be aware that we might be putting labels on our kids or our team employees that are not accurate. And instead of using a fixed mindset, it should be a growth mindset of this is something, you know, that you don't know a lot about, but you can, you can become an expert about this. You can, it, it's the idea of whether you're a born salesperson or if it's something that you actually can learn. Yep. And it absolutely is something you can learn. It's the same thing with leadership. Leadership, you know, you might be born with some abilities that make you have the potential to be a better leader, but unless you put the work and the time in and, and get a mentor and really focus on becoming a great leader and lead by example, you're never going to actually become it, but you can. And so it really is this growth mindset that you can. And most successful entrepreneurs and, and people who are successful in any aspect of life, they have a growth mindset and they're always working to get better. And one of the things that's great about maybe serving the military or playing sports is those give you opportunities to receive some constructive feedback and to work on something and get better at it. And that's what I think more society is missing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that I see just with my generation especially is, is staying within the confines of your comfort zone can be so, so, so crippling. But recognizing the triggers, the life experiences that got you into that comfort zone is the key to climbing out of that, right? Whether it's, uh, for me, a, a personal one, Leo, right? In, in our culture, you go on a mission for two years, and I, it was something that I had fully planned on doing, and I prepared for it, and I went, and then seven days later, I had come home. 
And for quite a few years, I had a really, really hard time putting myself out there. I had a really hard time taking on new challenges because I was so scared of that failure. And it took me finally recognizing that was the trigger for me. Then I, now I can work through it and understand how I can learn from that and how I can prepare better for future opportunities and future big life changes that I'm going to face. And so again, that's why I think everyone should read this article because it talks about a lot of different strategies to locate your triggers and then get past those triggers and some techniques that when you're recognizing this trigger pop up, what you can do to develop that growth mindset and move forward. Um, so I, I think it's a great article. I don't know, Casey, if you can share it in the, if you, maybe you already did share it in the notes or however that works there, but, uh, you want to break down some of these differences? Yeah. So key differences, belief in innate abilities versus embracing the potential for development through effort and learning. I think as somebody who, oh, I got an MBA in college. And so I'm automatically fixed mindset, a successful business person. And then they actually get to the real business world. And they're like, oh, actually, I don't have any real skills that translate into making money and helping that business grow versus someone who got a high school diploma, but has spent the last five, six years learning and becoming an expert in an industry and a craft and in the sales process and in communication skills and leadership. And that person has a growth mindset. And so, of course, you can get the MBA and be very, very successful. Absolutely. But there's far greater percentages of people that think because they did this one thing that they're automatically going to be successful. And that's just not how life works. Absolutely. The, the second difference here, we I, I kind of just talked about this. This is the one that hit home for me was avoiding challenges versus actively seeking new challenges for personal growth. Um, again, I, I use the marathon example, right? Running the marathon is not what's going to create more of the growth for you personally, as much as preparing for that marathon will and, and just completing something that you started. So I think that's a huge one. And the third one here, I, I wanted to point out um, negative self-talk versus defense or sorry, negative self-talk and defensiveness versus constructive self-talk and openness to feedback. That is something that I don't know why, but I, I see that so much with the younger generation is they do not want to, to face any sort of constructive criticism. They're so stuck in their ways. I think they've been told for the last 18 years that it's okay, you're special, but you can still be okay, you can still be special, and you can still learn and grow from others that have already experienced something you're going through right now. And so learning to be open to that is going to help you grow tremendously as a, as a human being. Another example, you'll see this all the time and, and watch this. Someone turns 30 years old or they turn 40 and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just old and my body's just breaking down and this, that and the other when no, actually, I've seen a lot of people who get in their 40s and they get serious about eating right and working out and, and taking the right supplements and getting sleep and mental health and all those things. And at age 45, they're in better shape than they were at age 25. And, and you look at someone like, for example, a, a Tom Brady from age 40 versus 20, he was in better shape. And so it's all about the stories we tell ourselves. You can become whatever you want to be within, you know, within certain guidelines and, and, and DNA and whatever. I mean, obviously I can't have a growth mindset and say, I'm going to be able to go play basketball like LeBron James can, but as an entrepreneur, I can absolutely have a growth mindset and say, I'm going to learn, 
you know, really good sales skills, you know, to be like Grant Cardone. I'm going to learn really good uh, leadership skills from a guy like John Maxwell. There's all these different opportunities that you absolutely can achieve when you have that growth mindset. And so it's the story you tell yourself if you're like, oh, I just turned 40, I'm old, I'm going to be, you know, it's all downhill from here. No, no, that's, that's just the story you're telling yourself. There are people that are killing it in the best shape of their lives or having the most success ever, and they're doing it at all these different ages with all these different challenges. Maybe they have a bunch of kids to take care of, and they're still very successful. They have, I mean, there's, there's so many ways to succeed, so it is about the growth mindset. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number three, our mastery topic, five steps to mastering money per chat GPT. So number one, it says to educate yourself, read the books, listen to the podcast, you know, watch the YouTube videos about someone who's actually doing it, not necessarily someone who may just be talking about it, but someone who's actually not only talking the talk, but walking the walk, right? Create a business and personal budget. If you're a business owner and you don't have an actual budget for your business, should have one. If you're any type of individual, especially someone with a family, you must have a personal budget and know exactly how much these bills are, when they're due. And then number three, we save not just to save. Oh, yes, it's important to have that emergency rainy day fund. But if you aren't saving to invest and having your money work for you while you sleep, then as Warren Buffett says, you will work for money the rest of your life instead of putting money to work for you. So it's all about saving to invest, whether that's investing in cash flow real estate, whether that's investing in a stock account uh, you know, with S&P 500, maybe you have something in gold, something in crypto, whatever. And then understanding debt, using money and debt the right way, right? You don't go into credit card debt to go on a vacation. You don't go into credit card debt to buy clothes. But Ty, how can you do it smartly? You can invest in things like real estate. There you go. You can jump on if you don't have enough money to purchase a whole property right now. You can get into some syndication deals. You can put some money in crypto, but only if that's a security. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, there. yeah. You know, it's past a, performance is no guarantee of future results. But uh, talking about real estate, like you had an investment that just came to fruition like this this week, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We bought a place October of uh, 2020, and we just had a cash offer. We're set to close and six days and we will uh almost uh, yeah almost double our money in in a three-year span so think about that doubling your money in three years how many people tell you that that's not possible right you just did that we had another uh, real estate deal that we did uh in under a year and more than doubled our money in so these things can absolutely happen but you have to get in the game and then it sure helps to find someone who already has a roadmap for success and to follow that right Absolutely. And that's what I did with that property. So amen. Long-term and short-term plans are important. Have a weekly money date and get together with your partner, business partner, your uh, partner in family and life and get on the same page, guys. All right. Sports time. Oh, here we go. Okay. This is, this is big. Um, so like we talked about, the PGA Tour, the LIV, and the DP World Tour are merging. My understanding is that the PGA Tour will still operate as a 501c, I think it was a 6, which was new to me, but it's it's a not-for-profit. However, the entity, this new entity that they're creating is going to own all of them. Oh, um, wow. So they will still be 
their own tours as of now. Again, there's a lot to be wow. learned in the, the coming days. It's, it's an announcement, and it's a lot of uh, people's opinions right now, but they will remain t- their own tours. They're just going to be owned by the same entity now, working together, investing together, because the group of investors that created Live, LIV, ultimately is going to be the main sponsor for this new entity. Mm. Um, so what this says here, while the merger is a tectonic shift for golf, nothing will change immediately in how fans watch golf. Mm. We'll still have the U.S. Open next week, the PGA Tour, the Live Tour, the DP World Tour. They're still going to finish their schedules that they've put together through the year. There's already been tickets sold. There's already been flights scheduled. Right? They, they, they couldn't just do that to the people. Mm. Um Afterward, like I said, it's it's unclear whether the LIV is going to continue independently, but we know for a fact PGA and DP World Tour will. Um, Like I mentioned when we were kind of talking about this topic, the circuits said the agreement will end all pending litigation. LIV was suing the PGA Tour for ultimately saying you've created a monopoly that has made it impossible for competition to arise. PGA then sued LIV and said, you forced our golfers to breach contracts that they've had in place. And so all of that litigation is going to drop, which I'm sure is a big sigh of relief for a lot of people. Um, this is something, the uh, is kind of interesting again. The three tours said they will work cooperatively and in good faith to establish a fair and objective process for any players who desire to reapply for membership with the PGA or the DP World Tour following the completion of the 2023 season, mm-hmm. which Jay Monahan ultimately had said, when you left, you are gone. You are never coming back. So it sounds like he's going back on a lot of different threats that he had put out there. But Jay open, openly came out and said, going forward, fans can be confident that we will collectively deliver on the promises we've always made to promote competition of the best in professional golf and that we are committed to securing and driving the game's future. So this is a, again, very, very interesting. There's been a, a lot of people that, uh, for example, Rory McIlroy was very, very, very against this tour um, because of the human rights issues that are going on with the, uh, a lot of that Saudi money. So it, it's going to be interesting how people like Rory respond, how people like Tiger respond um, I already know there's been a few tweets put out there by golfers feeling like they just got hosed by not going, taking all of that money and just coming back to the PGA tour. <laughs> um, so it's, I'm excited to learn a lot more about this and start to see the tweets that are going to fly out because yeah. golfers are all posting like Colin Morikawa posted a tweet said, wow, I just learned about this this morning on Twitter would have been nice if they could have let the tour players know privately beforehand. But uh, Donald Trump's on board. <laughs> he, he is, his post came out, said, great news from LIV Golf, a big, beautiful, and glamorous deal for the wonderful world of golf. Um, Trump does love golf. He does. and In, he, in his little book, uh, the, the Art of the Deal, he's like, play golf. Yeah. He has oh, like a whole chapter about he, it. He's actually been not directly involved with LIV, but he's allowed them to play a lot of his courses for tournaments yeah. and whatnot. I, I think he loves the change, uh, that, that the team aspect of LIV. So, I mean, I think LIV is doing some really, really cool things. Uh, but my personal opinion on this merger is uh, the Live Tour, LIV Tour, was really struggling with sponsors and TV deals, yeah. and they were just bleeding money. And the PGA Tour ultimately could not turn down the kind of money that this will 
bring to the table for them. And so the merger was 110% a money move. Um, again, I think you're going to see some pretty big names revolt. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see people like Rory, people like Tiger take some significant time off from the game and even step away from the tour temporarily because of what it stands for. And people like that have so much money that they never, they have generational wealth already to this point. They don't need golf anymore. So I'm interested to see how some of those people handle it, but uh, there's a lot more that we're going to see coming to fruition here in the coming weeks. Cause a lot of them really just found uh, LIV distasteful to a certain extent, right? Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they thought LIV was nothing more than trying to use sports to cover up some of the negative publicity that's been going out in uh, Saudi Arabia. The, yeah, Saudi yeah. Arabia. Yeah. yeah. So Fascinating stuff. Fascinating. Great update there, but it's great that they came together. It, in a certain way, it almost kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, old merger of the AFL and the NFL in the, the 60s. And then they're like, hey, we'll have a real Super Bowl. And then it all came together from that point on. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a... Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's golf's going to revert back to what it was about three, four years ago. And people like Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson just went and made a shit ton of money and they're going to be right back where they were. And nobody's even going to realize who's funding this big entity that owns PGA and, and DP World Tour. But uh, for the everyday golfer, it's probably a, a win because golf's going to get a little bit more exciting. And I feel like it did. I feel like LIV came in and they shook things up a little bit. And they're like, hey, you guys are kind of the old bureaucrats here. We're going to do some fun stuff. We're going to make things a little bit unique, a little different. And it definitely, I feel like it brought some energy and and probably some folks who maybe didn't watch the PGA as much are like, oh, what's this LIV thing? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I. It's going to be interesting to see what like the, the Jack Nicklaus's and, and some of these the old, old, oh, I the think old guards going to be like, this is bullshit. They're going to be outraged. So one question, what is uh, DP World Tour? I, I, I was familiar with PGA and LIV, but I actually didn't know about DP World Tour. It, it's just another tour. So there's all sorts of tours. There's the, the European Tour, the DP World Tour that, that you can play on. The DP World Tour does a lot more tour events in, in Europe and South okay. America and, and the Middle East and, yeah. and whatnot, whereas it, it's not – People on the DP World Tour, for the most part, have either lost their tour card with the PGA, they're not quite Mm -hmm. playing to that level yet, or they're still trying to make it to the PGA Tour. It's obviously a lot better than a Corn Ferry, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't have the same caliber of golfers as PGA, but it's probably the next closest to the PGA Tour. Hmm. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. Go figure. All right, guys, that was episode 39. Have yourself a wonderful day. Take action. Make things happen. If you like the show, give it a thumbs up. Give us some comments, questions, ideas, and topics for other shows. Let us know. And if you're finding value from the podcast, share it with others so they, too, can gain value. And together we win as a community. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure Podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the 7 Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.